Good morning, church. So good to be with you. I believe that the word, uh, Lord has a good word for us this morning. And the title of my sermon is, uh, We're Better Together. We're Better Together. And I wanted to start with a diagram this morning. And um, in the middle of the screen is, kids, who is that? Mario! That's Super Mario! And um, Super Mario this morning represents you and I. And I'm um, suggesting this morning that in order for us to experience the max capacity spiritual growth in the Lord, we need three types of relationship in our lives. And I frame these three types of questions, these three types of relationships in the form of questions. Oh, hi, Gary. Our worship leader is back. Hey, good to see you. Wow. Man. It's a miracle. Like he, like he literally almost went to be with the Lord like five times, you say? Oh my gosh. Good to have you back, Gary. Good to see you. Um, so I wanted to frame uh, these three types of relationships in the form of questions. And the three questions are this. Is someone pouring into you? Question number two. Are you pouring into someone? And then question number three, are you walking alongside a few others? These three types of relationships are critical, essential, vital to our spiritual growth. And so I want to take each question in turn. And so the first question is this, is someone pouring into you? Is someone pouring into you? And I wanted to start with a passage of Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. And while you're turning to Exodus chapter 18, let me just set the scene for you. What you'll find in Exodus chapter 18 is that Moses is overloaded. Moses is wearing multiple hats. He's the leader of Israel. He is a judge for the people And Moses is a father, and he's a husband. And he's having a hard time balancing all these important roles in his life because everyone wants some of his attention. And so his father-in-law, his name is Jethro. Jethro comes and visits with Moses. And he sees his limited family time. He sees the lines of frustrated people waiting for Moses so that their disputes can be settled by Moses. And Jethro is concerned. And so Jethro takes Moses aside and listen carefully to what Jethro says to Moses in Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 17. says this, listen carefully, this is the word of the Lord. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be 
with you. Jethro visits with Moses. And he says to him, son, what you are doing is not good. And, and Jethro con- continues by providing him with some sound advice, wise counsel, gives him some perspective, shares his observations and concerns, and Jethro empowers Moses. And Moses takes Jethro's advice and applies it immediately, and it has an amazing effect on, Jeth- on Moses' life. Moses had a Jethro that poured into his life. Do you have a Jethro in your life? Is someone pouring into you? I wanted to introduce you to a Jethro that poured into my life back in 2006. I wrote this letter to him, and his name is Brian. And listen to this letter that I wrote to Brian in 2006. I said, Dear Brother Brian, Aloha, how are you? I miss you and Angie a lot. I also miss the local kind grinds. Imelda and I are doing well here in Pasadena, California. We have our ups and downs and we miss family and friends, but leaving the islands has given us a freedom that we find hard to describe. My first year in seminary has been amazing. The professors here are top-notch, the best of the best. I'm so grateful that God allowed me this season to rest and reflect and be renewed and to learn. I am currently taking a class called Mentoring. The author of one of the books I'm required to read poses the following question. Who are the people who have helped to make you who you are today? I'm referring to the people who have marked you, who have made a significant impact, a lasting impression on your life, the individuals who have, at a critical moment, redirected your path such that today you look back and say, I never would have become who I am were it not for that person's influence. As I ponder the above question, you immediately come to mind, Brian. I still remember that summer evening in 1993 like it was yesterday. You shared the love of Jesus Christ with me. It was the first time I heard that Jesus loves me just as I am. And that evening, you led me in a prayer to dedicate my life to the Lord on the bottom steps of a staircase in Iaea. Then you took it upon yourself to disciple me. You invested much time and energy into me. You loved me like a son. You believed in me and prayed for me often. You generously gave me your time and attention. We prayed together, worshipped together, studied the Bible together, laughed and cried together. You even attempted to teach me to surf, unfortunately to no avail. You and Angie modeled for me the life of a godly man and woman. Because of you, today my life purpose as best as I know it at this point in my life is to serve the Lord my God, as a pastor 
and teacher. Because you invested in me, I am a life that is changed. Please continue to mentor the next generation like you mentored me. Young men so desperately need mentors like you to nurture their souls, to shape their character, and to call them to become complete men and by the grace of God, holy men. I miss you and love you deeply. Love, Thomas. We all need a Jethro in our lives. We all need someone to pour into us. Is someone pouring into you? The second question I have for you this morning is this. Are you pouring into someone? God wants us to love people. God wants us to pour love into people. And God is especially concerned that we're doing a good job pouring love into other believers. In fact, 1 Peter 2.17 says this. It says, show special love for God's people. Galatians chapter 6, 9 and 10 says it this way. It says, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. When we have the opportunity to show love, we should do it. And we should give special attention to those who are a part of the household of God. Why does God insist that we pour love into other believers? Because God wants us to be known by our love more than anything else. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this. Listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I don't know if you know this, but we are being watched. The world is watching the church. And wouldn't it be neat if the world was watching the church and they looked in and they say, wow, look at the way that they love one another. That's amazing. But you know what the sad reality is? According to surveys and statistics, and reports. The outside world says that we're not known by our love. You know what the outside world says? The outside world says that we're hypocrites. 
Because what we say and what we do don't match. And we complain and when we, when we gossip and we, we talk stink about one another, the, the outside world looks in and says, See, that's why I don't go to church. The outside world says that we're hypocrites. But what if we could change that? What if we took seriously Jesus' command? What if we took seriously John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35? What if we took seriously Jesus' command to love one another? A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wouldn't that be amazing? Let's change the way that the outside world sees us. Let's be known by our love. Two was 30 years old when he and his family came to church in 2004. A wonderful family that loved God. His wife's name is Casey. They have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Kaylin. Met them in 2004 when they walked into the church. Two had a dreadful disease. It was called multiple myeloma. And he had received various treatments for the disease, including bone marrow transplant. But nothing seemed to work. A few months after I met this family in 2004, two was hospitalized, and the prognosis was very bleak. And my wife and I, we felt a special calling to pour into this family, to love on this family in Jesus' name. And so I visited with this family often at the hospital, several times a week. We would pray together. We would laugh together as they reminisced about the good times. We would cry together. I'll never forget this one time when Tu and I were alone in the hospital room. And he turned to me with tears of pain and brokenness in his eyes. And he said, Pastor Thomas, I don't want to die yet. This is so unfair. I want to watch my daughter grow up. I want to watch my daughter graduate. I want to watch my daughter get married. I don't want to die yet. This is not fair. And I did the only thing I knew to do. I held his hand and we wept together. And we had many of these conversations for a few more weeks. And then two passed away, and he went to be with the Lord. 30 years old, left behind a wonderful wife and a three-year-old daughter. One of the hardest funerals that I've ever had to do. Every funeral is hard, but this one was especially hard. And even after the funeral service, my wife and I 
we felt a special calling to continue to pour into this family, to love on this family, to love on Casey and Kaylin in Jesus' name. And so I would check up on them often. And then a few months pass and Casey decides that she's going to move to the mainland to be closer to family. And we do our best to keep in touch. But you know how that goes. Distance sometimes makes it hard. Six years later, out of the blue, I get this call from Casey. And Casey says, Pastor Thomas, I want to thank you and your wife for pouring into us, for loving us, for caring for us through one of the most difficult times of our lives. And then she says, guess what? And I'm like, what? And she said, Pastor Thomas, I never thought I'd be able to say this, but I found someone. And we want to get married. And we would love the honor of you marrying us. God wants us to love people. God wants us to pour love into people. And God is especially concerned that we're doing a good job pouring love into those who are in the body of Christ. Are you pouring into someone today? Question number three. Are you walking alongside a few others? Life is hard. The struggle is real. In fact, Jesus even said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There will be days in our journey when we feel tired or restless or angry or depressed or empty or worried. There will be seasons in our journey when we'll experience pain and brokenness and disappointment and loneliness. And some of us will try to carry that heavy weight alone. The Bible says, don't do it. Don't carry that weight alone. Listen carefully to what The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says this, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they should fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. We need one another to weather the storms of life, and to celebrate the joys of life as well. May I encourage you to do life with a few others. You all remember the movie, The Lord of the Rings? Good movie, yeah? One of my favorite characters is Samwise Gamgee. You all know Samwise Gamgee? Yeah. At the beginning of the story, Samwise Gamgee is Frodo Baggins' gardener. 
And he's pulled in to Frodo's adventure by Gandalf when he eavesdropped on this private conversation that Gandalf and Frodo were having. And throughout the movie, Samwise Gamgee is Frodo's steadfast companion. Samwise Gamgee is strong emotionally. He is strong physically. And oftentimes, he is even helping to pull and push Frodo through the difficult parts of the journey. And one of my favorite scenes of the movie is this video clip that I want to show you. Please enjoy. Was that a good clip? I love that scene. My favorite scene in the whole movie. There will be days in life when we are discouraged, when we feel like we've had enough, when we feel like we want to throw in the towel. And it's in those days when we'll need a Samwise Gamgee in our lives. A Samwise Gamgee that looks us in the eye and says, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. We all need a Samwise Gamgee in our lives. Do you have a Samwise Gamgee in your life? Are you walking alongside a few others? Well, at this point, you might be thinking, okay, okay, Pastor Thomas, I get it. I need these three kinds of relationships in my life in order to grow in the Lord spiritually. But where do I find like, these kinds of relationships? Glad you asked. You need, no look, you need look no further. It's in an Ohana group. I guarantee you that in an Ohana group, you will find one, maybe two, and if you're blessed, maybe even all three types of these relationships in an Ohana group. In 1993, I made one of the most important and critical decisions of my Christian walk. In 1993, I joined a small group. And over the past 24 years, I've been part of some type of small group or another. That's how important I believe to the core of my being that small groups are. We are going to be starting some brand new Ohana groups this week. And usually, I recommend and encourage you But this morning, I want to implore and beg and plead with you. Join a small group. Join an Ohana group. And I mean it with the sincerest of motives, the sincerest of intentions for your spiritual well-being and for your spiritual growth. Please join an Ohana group. I wanted to invite the five individuals uh, that will be starting Ohana groups this week to come up. And I'd like us to um, just pray for them. And so um, we'll have Brian and Arlene and Matt and Keith and Raf come up.
These uh, individuals said yes to starting an Ohana group. Come on up. And um, as I introduce each of them, I want you to um, take note because I'm going to share with you what time uh, their Ohana group will meet. And so after service, they'll be in the back. And I want to encourage you to go up and exchange a phone number with them um, and, and say, hey, I want to be a part of that group on that night. And then exchange information so you know exactly uh, where um, they will be and at what time. Oh, Brian, you want to come up? Oh, no? You have... Yeah. And so um, here they are. Okay, so this is Arlene. And she's going to be starting an Ohana group on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. And um, she's still looking for a host home. And so if anyone wants to host an Ohana group in their home, I encourage you to see Arlene Wednesday nights. Okay? And so this is Matt. Hi, Matt. And Matt will be hosting, uh, having an Ohana group also on Wednesday night. And this Ohana group will be meeting in Waipahu. Wednesday night, Waipahu. So if that day and that location looks good for you, make sure you see Matt. All right? The next person is Keith. Keith will be starting an Ohana group on Thursday nights. And it will be right here in our community in Ocean Point. And so... If you want to stay in our community on Thursday nights, you're available, see Keith. And then this is Raph, starting an Ohana group also on Thursday night. And it's going to be at his home right across the street here, three minutes away in Eva Beach. And so Thursday nights here in Eva Beach, that's Raph. And then we have Brian here, and he's going to be starting an Ohana group on Friday nights. And so for those of you who drop off your youth to youth group on Friday nights, the perfect place for you to go right after you drop them off is to Brian's Ohana group, Friday nights. He's also looking for a host home. And so if you have a home that might be available for them, for a group of six, seven, or eight people, please see him. Love for you to host a group in your home. And so let's stretch out. And so would you stretch out your hand? And I'm going to pray for each of these. 